Hello and welcome to another edition of Turn Out a Punk. I'm your host, Damien Abraham, and once again I'm bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved in punk, but had their life changed by the genre in a major way. Today on the show, it's a super episode with not one, not two, but three incredible guests. That's right, live from the House of Vans in Chicago, not to be infused with the last Live from the House of Vans in Chicago. This is a new one featuring Tim Kinsella of Cap'n Jazz, Atiba and Akko Jefferson, my, my, my good buddies. This is an incredible episode, so please, please, more on that in one second. But first, if you want to get in touch with me, head over to DamienAbraham.com. There's an email address there. You can find me on various forms of social media, at left for Damien. If you would like to get in touch with me, in an immediate way, try those social media forms or hit up the Facebook page run by my brother, Tristan Abraham. And now I got to say congratulations to Tristan, who just had a baby. He welcomed a beautiful child into this world. So Tristan, I love you. This whole episode is kind of dedicated to you. Tristan was going to come on this trip with me, but given that his baby was coming any day now, wisely opted not to go. So this is an episode dedicated to my brother and show producer, Tristan Abraham. And if you would like to wish Tristan a congratulations yourself, you can do so by hitting up that facebook.com turn out a punk page. If you don't use Facebook like myself, and you would like to check out some of the stuff that gets sent into the Facebook page, you can go over to turnedoutapunk.tumblr.com. And uh, if you would like to support this podcast, the best way to do so is by telling all your friends, spreading the word, tweeting it out. Thank you, everyone who's been tweeting me stuff about listening to this podcast, discovering this podcast. I really appreciate uh, people spreading the word about this thing. And if you would like to support us in a uh, way that uh, helps us, if you use iTunes, you can write a review and rate this show. That would be a big help as well. Well, here I am uh, in Japan. I've been in Tokyo now for a few days. Um, actually, it's kind of like over a week at this point, but I'm having the best time. I got to see Gauze. I got to buy a, a bunch of records, which I've been looking for for a long time. Uh, right now, I'm holed up in my room, so I don't buy any more records. And I've gotten to see a ton of incredible wrestling that's going to be coming out uh, on Vice in the future on this wrestling project I've been working on. But today's my day off. And what better to do with your day off in Japan but... Go see more wrestling! So tonight I'm going to go to see the G1 Climax. Actually, I'm going to leave right after this to go and see the G1 Climax and get to see Okada and Omega. Oh my gosh, if you're a wrestling fan, you know that's a big deal. If you're not a wrestling fan, eh, fuck you. No, I'm just kidding. If you're not a wrestling fan, that's fine. But still, you should check it out. It's pretty good these days. There's a lot of really cool stuff happening. Anyway, on to today's show. Today on the show, it's live from the House of Vans in Chicago, featuring, well, it's featuring Cap and Jazz, Hopalongs, and of course, the Blackouts on DJs, uh, in which are, you know, a lot of people that I love. Unfortunately, no one from Hopalong was able to make this podcast, but I did get a chance to sit down with Tim Kinsella. Uh, lead singer of Cap and Jazz, uh, also um, one of the most influential people in indie, emo, punk, all those genres. And I can tell you that going into this, I didn't know what to expect when I saw Cap and Jazz. I never got to see him around the first time. And this was one of the best shows I've ever seen in my 
life. So Tim's on the show, and so are Atiba and Akko of the band, or of the Blackouts, um, two good friends of mine. I've gotten to DJ with them all over the place, and, uh, well, they've DJed, and I've played shows, and I think one time I even DJed with them, but they... They're much better DJs than I, and certainly two of my favorite people in the world to hang out with and get to chill with, and so this is a fun episode. I had a really good time, and it's all thanks to the good folks at Vans, who are the sponsors of this podcast. Thank you, everyone at Vans. Um, I, Chuck Redu, of course, Brooke, everyone who got me out there. Vans, of course, has come on board with this podcast. And they don't fuck with my booking, and they don't, you know, nothing. All I they want to do is support this podcast and get me to do awesome stuff like fly to Chicago and get a chance to interview people that I love, people that I respect. So thank you so much to Vans and House of Vans for making this whole thing possible. Uh, I'm so happy I got to do this because I also got to hang out with Big Joe from Lifeline Records and the legend himself, Jeff Johns. Uh, you'd hear me talk about Jeff Johns. I left that little chunking in the middle uh, where I, I talk about Jeff Johns' significance to uh, more recent years, or not so recent anymore, but, but my era of Toronto punk and hardcore on the show as well. So it's like a it's like a full house. I gotta I gotta move on so you guys can sit back and listen to this thing because uh, it's a doozy. It's a real doozy. Once again, though, I gotta say, love you, Tristan. Congratulations on the baby because that is incredible. And uh, I think that's about it. I'm gonna sit back and let you relax and listen to live from the House of Vans in Chicago. Tim Kinsella, Atiba, and Akko Jefferson, the Blackouts, on Turned Out a Punk. Hello and welcome to a very special Vans Presents Turned Out a Punk with Tim Kinsella! It's going to sound way better on the radio. It's like you're trying to, like, yeah, it's, it's yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm, because no one knows this because they can't see us right now that we're in front of a, a room full of, what would you say, 3,000 people right now here? <laughs> Shh, we got noise complaints from the neighbors already. Tim, thank you so much. This is a huge thrill to sit down and talk to you. Thank you, thank you. Well, I want you to know that um, my brother is a, like, dyed-in-the-wool Tim Kinsella stalker type fan and he's not here because he's having a baby but he sent me some questions to get to that I'm going to ignore and just ask you the questions okay. I want to ask yeah you. follow your heart okay. so Tim I want to start off the way I start all these things off which is uh -huh. how'd you get into punk do you remember the first time you ever came across the genre um I you know it's it was a totally different universe right I'm 42 so like I think sometimes about how like uh I saw Morrissey's first solo tour, and I think about that now. I was like, oh, the Smiths broke up like 18 months earlier. And like something like Minor Threat was like, oh, they had broken up two years before. Like, that's crazy, because now they just seem like things that were always... Just distant apparitions. Yeah, just, yeah. yeah super forever ago. Um, but that seems like a long time when you're young. Two years feels yeah, like yeah. a lifetime. Right. I mean, at that point, two years was 20% of my life. True. Now, Very true. Now, like, with math. Yeah, well, now two years is like how long I wait to do something I think I want to do. <laughs> yep. I'm like, oh, I think about it. Two years is when yeah. I still think a record's new. Yeah, right. <laughs> like Two years ago, that's yeah. brand new. Yeah. 
Oh, last time we played Cleveland, the show was great. Why isn't anyone here? We, oh, that was only seven years ago. <laughs> like, what's the, what's the big deal? So where did you kind of hear it for the first time before oh, you were at um, that first Morrissey show? Yeah, I, so I got really lucky in that, like, uh, I grew up in this place where there was, like, nothing. Uh, just, like, it was these suburbs with just, like, nothing interesting and a lot of concrete. Yep. And... Uh, but there were two record stores right there that were kind of like the only interesting place. So um, I would, my parents would give me $5 for mowing the lawn and tapes were seven ninety eight at the place. And so I could like uh, bring back the tape from the week before and they would give me like $3 and then I would get a blank tape and a new tape with the $5, you know, um, and $5 on the credit. And so then I would just list, I would get like one new record and I didn't know at the time that they were like the punk rock specialty store that people traveled to. It was just like the only place I could walk to that was interesting. Yeah. Um, and then we had these super rich neighbors who probably aren't super rich, but comparatively were. Um, and their parents uh, gave them a lot of money. So th- they buy a lot of tapes. So they would buy, yeah, they would just buy it. We'd just be like, oh, that band has a cool logo. What's that going to sound like? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I would have been... I don't know, 11, 12. The one weird thing that really sticks out that's like the biggest impact on me was um, Bauhaus was like the one band that had like the really intense logo. Because, you know, it was all Bad Brains, Misfits, Descendants. Everyone had a logo. And Bauhaus had a logo, but they sounded different. And so we just like, we didn't know. So we got this, this Bauhaus record when I was like 11 years old. Sky's gone out. And, like, you, you should not be able to hear that at, like, 11 years old, you know? Um, so that really shaped every... Like, still, I feel like half the things I've ever made are just trying to remake the effect side two of the sky's gone out head on me as an 11-year-old. Well, that's amazing, because, like, the thing about Cap and Jazz that... I don't know, like, there's this sound that you guys were, were, go, were getting that seems to come out of nowhere, and I've always wondered where that influence is, because it doesn't sound like any other band that's happening around you. Uh, I mean, I think about, like, you know, like, a definition of modernism would be, like, a way of curating the past, you know? Mm-hmm. And not that, like, we were, like, uh, conscious of that at all, you know? Because we were, like... I was, I, I was 20 when we broke up, and I was the oldest member of the band. <laughs> um, so, like, Mike... We had, Mike had just finished his senior year of high school when we broke up. So uh, we were little, 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 kids. little guys. We weren't doing this consciously at all, but there was a tension between, like, I wanted to just be, like, a power violence band, and, and I was just like, why don't... What's with all this, like, finesse, you know? <laughs> and then a couple people really wanted to be in Shard of Think, and, um, and I don't know. And then, yeah, so it was just... It might have seemed to have come out of nowhere, but it, it's just like we were just like obsessive music lovers, and that was we took this from you know same as everyone does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's like one of those bands that I think you know, and I don't think this was an conscious thing. Well, I don't know. Maybe this was a really cool tape store, but it almost like you hear elements of like television personalities, desperate bicycles, like UK DIY stuff. Was that stuff you guys were aware of, or is that just a natural kind of thing? Uh, there was, I mean, so yeah, we were through like the. Okay, so there's two record stores. One was like five-minute walk from my house, and the other one was like a seven-minute walk. (laughs) 
And the five minute walk was like a super like Marillion hippie uh, Pink Floyd store. And then a couple minutes further walk was like the punk hub. So there would be flyers there for like, you know, Screeching Weasel and Pegboy and stuff. Um, and so it was weird because we would just see the flyers and be like, what is up with this sports bar on the night off? There's this event, you know, and it was very <laughs> mysterious. And there was no, obviously there's no internet. So you didn't know what a band sounded like. You would just see zines and you would see like a black and white photocopied picture of a guy falling down and be like, oh, I got to hear that, you know? <laughs> so yeah, it was, there was much more mystery at the time. Yeah. So through the record store, we did get tapped into this local community of uh, these DIY shows. Um, so and at, at that time, what were some of the local bands? Like you mentioned Screeching Weasel and Pegboy, but like, because you know, I don't think of too many 80s Chicago bands, like yeah. early 80s, but like yeah. later 80s. Well, this would be, you know, we started in 89 was our first version. Um, we broke up we were Toe Jam at the time. Toe Jam, that's the name? Yeah. And the, you should have stuck with that. The O and the A, we, it was like an Iron Cross logo, oh and the O and the God. A overlapped to make an anarchy sign. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, What's the vibe of, like, of Toe Jam, though, sonically? Uh, just like a million, vi- no, sorry, four variations of open E, F, <laughs> open E, F, open E, uh, Um so yeah, I don't know. So we broke up in 95. So it was really like junior, senior year of high school and then like freshman year of college mm-hmm. that we were tapped into this DIY scene. Uh, there was this band, Gage, that really like really sort of took us under their wing and showed us how to do things. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm so grateful all the time for like all the people that sort of taught me how to do the things I do and they are definitely like that band Gage was huge in that regard. Um, they were all like obsessed with Discord in the same way that we were. Yeah. So, um, yeah. It's, it's funny because you're on that Octon Chicago comp on Underdog. Is that the first thing that you guys put out or does the seven inches predate it? No, that's the first thing we ever recorded. And that is so funny. Like we had so little knowledge of how to be in a recording studio that there's like this break the sort of samba break, <laughs> and, you know, super cheesy rototom. Boom, 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 boom. And uh, my brother actually dropped his stick during the recording of it, and the engineer's like, okay, well, you want to try it again? And we're like, nah, it's probably good. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's like, are you sure you dropped the stick and didn't play the part? And we're like, nah, <laughs> sure, it's fine. That comp, though, is like, we were talking about this day, shout out to Jeff Johns and Big Joe. Um, that, that, that to me is one of the greatest compilations ever because like, you look down that from you guys to Smoking Popes. I think is Screeching Weasel on that too? Uh, Los Crudos is. Los Crudos for sure. Screeching Weasel, I'm not sure. But it's like, it's yeah. basically through that, you have yeah. like a Rosetta Stone for where music would kind of go. Well, there's like, yeah, there is a, there's another one. It's a punk thing you wouldn't understand. And I know that mm-hmm. was Screeching Weasel and us and... Uh, it was around the same time. Did Martine put that out from Los Crudos? Is that the one he put no, out? No, Martine put out this... Uh, Another one. 400 years yeah. of... Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. That was really intense. We weren't on that. No, you're not on that. <laughs> we wanted to be. But I think that's the uh, amazing thing about Chicago is that you have all these bands existing in one giant umbrella scene, but you guys are all going completely different places with the genre. Yeah, I think there is uh, less... Um, Maybe everyone was more desperate for camaraderie at the time, or there was just <laughs> less specialization. Yeah. 
But it was really like, like I said, I mean, informate, there was no internet, so you couldn't be like, who are the other bands that fall in between these other bands? It was yeah. more like, oh, I've met who I've met, and, uh, you know, can I have your phone number? <laughs> and then when I call, I have to, like, ask someone... If they're there. Hi, is Martine there? Yeah. You know, like, uh, so yeah, people are very helpful. And yeah, I mean, it's the thing that the big difference that I think about all the time then, and we talk about this a lot, that I don't know, maybe I'm just out of touch with it because um, I'm like a grown up, sort of, or whatever. <laughs> um, uh, sorry, I'm thinking three things now. Uh, <laughs> There was really no distinction in our minds. Like, this is... If this doesn't blow anyone's mind, if there's anyone whose mind this doesn't blow, that's only a failure of me being able to express this right, because it's actually totally (laughs) mind-blowing. But there was no... Like, when people talk about, like, oh, punk rock, like, the bands in the audience are equal, it was like, there was no distinction between, like, who's in the band and who isn't. Mm -hmm. Like, it was just every weekend the same 50, 100, 200 people commuted. And it, it was like some nights they're playing, some nights they're playing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe I'm just talking. It was like, uh, there, it didn't feel like a scene. It felt like a community, you know? Yeah, well, that, and I think, I don't know, and once again, this is, I wasn't here, but looking as an outsider, I think that's unique to this place, that there's just so much sonic diversity kind of happening and everyone's kind of part of one big scene. And I... It almost like that didn't exist in the 80s. Like, the, the Chicago explosion happens in the 90s. Yeah, I mean, I was obsessed with, like, crossover as, like, a very important <laughs> thing for any of the younger people here. Crossover would be, like, punks and metalheads uniting, which was sort of a hippie idea. Um, but, it, you know, it was, like, the most important thing in my yeah. junior high, like... Why can't we all, if we can walk together by... Why can't we rock together? Yeah. It only made sense. <laughs> it only makes sense. Yeah. So at the time you guys are playing, did you feel immediately like you're part of the Chicago scene or is there like kind of a process of getting no. into it? Yeah, no. I'm, I'm still in my hazing phase. <laughs> like, there's, there's like people, you know, 18 months older than me that still like pat me on the head and call me a pipsqueak, you know, like... <laughs> I still haven't been accepted into the Chicago, like, music. I mean, I'm, like, the luckiest person in the world, and I have the best life ever. But that definitely comes from, uh, at some point, you know how, like, uh, at some point you just can't give a fuck about something? Mm-hmm. Um, and everything's that way. That you, Everything you give a fuck about is sort of like that. At a certain point, you just, like, flip, because you're like, well, I sure tried to give a fuck <laughs> But that got exhausted. Uh, so, yeah, so I never, there was no, this was sort of like the epiphany of punk rock for me was just the sort of like, uh, and why the punks in my junior high could never really unite with the metalheads because they thought about like making it in show business. And it was just common sense to me that no, you just make it. Like, there's no gatekeeper anywhere. You know? Yeah, like it's one of those. Well, like, look at all those bands, like, on that comp and where they all went with it. Like, no major labels signed any of those bands, and those people still went out and made careers in music out of it. Well, Smoking Pope's got signed to a major label. Yeah, that's exactly... Hey! Hi. Hey, Antifa! You got, you got a pizza? Yeah, you want some? Nah. It would ruin... I mean, I do, but you got people looking at me. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I 
and eat pizza. See you in a second. Ten minutes? Hey! How's it going? Good to see you, too. I'll see you soon. Tiba's coming back for the podcast in two minutes, so you're going to see him again. Oh, really? Well, not two minutes, literally. Oh, right, but you're doing the second one? Yeah. Did they, are, are, they, are they wearing the same shirt? No, I think different. The, different shirts? Yeah, different shirts. That would mess with everyone. <laughs> that mess with everyone's head. Yeah. Um, so where did it go from, from like, you know, you're, you're in the suburbs, you're going to this record store, to Toe Jam, you're like, because you grew up in a very musical family, right? Or music. No. Was, <laughs> no, but no. You, were playing, you were playing instruments really young. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, I wanted to be a drummer really bad. This is a funny story. And, um... Oh, my, this is my first musical experience. I used to, like, scream at the top of my lungs, and my mom would, like... I'd be like, okay, mom, I gotta scream, and she'd be like, okay, and she'd, like, put me in the bathroom and close the door and just let me scream until I fell down. Um, when I was, like, four and five, you know? Um, you don't find punk rock... Like, there's something very real about, like, uh, you don't find it when everything's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever, as a four or five-year-old, I, like, had some irrepressible urge to, like, scream until I'd passed out. And, uh, um, hey, and I made a career out of it. You had, you, had you come across, like, when, do you remember the first time you ever saw, like, any reference to punk rock in pop culture? Because at five, yeah. you would have been seeing it on TV. Yeah, Chips. Chips. Yeah. What a great episode. Yeah. It was also, like, that's the sort of thing the internet's ruined, too. Like, because imagine, remember, like, how exciting to be like, oh, shit, the punk chips is on. Yeah. Yeah. Or you had to get someone to bootleg a tape for you. Yeah. Tape trading. Yeah, I do remember chips. And then later, like, uh, I guess Donahue? What was the one that... The, the New York Hardcore. Yeah, the New York Hardcore. The infamous Donahue. New York Hardcore Donahue. Did you watch it when it was on TV the first time? I mean, I don't remember. I mean, I know I saw it as a kid, but I don't remember, wow. like... That's like, you know, I don't remember as like a 12-year-old being like, is this the first pressing of this record? <laughs> yeah, you know? but so, still, yeah. like you didn't see it as someone like myself who had to order a tape off the internet. No, 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 no. I mean, you this saw is like it on a TV. memory as a kid, yeah. Well, that must have been something insane to watch as a child. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I yeah. I, uh, <laughs> Jimmy Gestapo up there. The Cro-Mags are in the audience. Yeah. Vinny Stigma gets up and talks, gives a speech. Yeah, see, I don't even know what any of that is anymore. You got to watch it again, yeah. Tim. You got to watch it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So what made you decide to kind of like start the band though? Like from Man, I was uh I was like I've chilled out by like a factor of 900 million zillion. And when I was like 14, I was like, "Come on, you guys, we aren't taking it serious enough. No, practice every day. What the fuck?" You know, I was like until I was about 38 that time. Wow. Yeah. I was like Come on, guys, we got a real chance here. <laughs> so you're saying everything's going to change for me next year? That was the best part of the Ramones documentary we were talking about. Yeah. Um, there's like a Ramones interview in 93 on like Mexican TV, and they're like, we think this is our year, we're really going to make it. And it's like, dude, the Ramones, <laughs> you're the Ramones. <laughs> like, if the Ramones, 15 years, 18 years oh. into being a band, the Ramones are still like, I think this is our shot. <laughs> like that's it's crazy it's like but imagine how much heart they how much they must have loved their music because they hated each other there was no hope for success but they still did it 
Yeah, I can't imagine. I can't imagine either. <laughs> really hard to <laughs> put myself in that situation. When I was a kid, I met Johnny Ramone, and I was like, do you have any advice? And he's like, yeah, never go to Europe. <laughs> it's the most backwards place on earth. And that was, that was his advice for me. <laughs> Not even for being in a band, but just in general. Just in general. And then he related back to being yeah. in a band, but that was his big tip of advice. So right. I've been to Europe. It's not as bad as Johnny says. Don't worry. If you haven't been, it's worth going to. <laughs> well, I could punish you all day about music and punk, but I don't think... Uh, you got to play a show tonight. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you. Well, this has been awesome. Can you do yeah. a part two one day with me? Yeah, I would love to. Because yeah, we yeah. can talk about our shade experiences under the JD tree. Sounds good. All right, Tim. All right. Thank, thank you, you very much. Give it up for Tim Gonzalez! Thank you. This is this awkward part that we actually edit out of the podcast when you listen back where I have to fill time while the other person comes. So in that time, I will talk to you about the fact that that man right in the back of the room, Jeff Johns, yeah, he's looking away like no one can see him, but that guy is responsible for Toronto punk and hardcore actually happening on an international level. Jeff, you'd shake your head and he's going to walk away. But here's the thing. He put my band on fucked up. He put all our bands on. So that guy, Toronto, owes a debt to Chicago by way of Jeff Johns over there. He used to take the. He used to come up to Toronto and hang out, take the bus up, and now here I am in Chicago, forcing him to listen to me talk about him on a microphone. What a world, Jeff! What a world! Give it up for Atiba, everyone! Thank you, guys. Well, this is something I've wanted to do for a while because I've actually asked Sandy if she knew about your story because I know you as a photographer, I've known you as a DJ, I've known yeah. you as... We're like DJ bros. Well, yeah, but you can actually DJ. I, I can sit there awkwardly and watch... Alka, you don't have to do it. There's one mic. <laughs> you want to come? To... I can hang out a little bit. Okay. For photos, for sure. Yeah, we'll do photos. You guys get some photos of us and our matching... Well, outfit. this is great. Well, I, but I want to find... So you, they did wear the Tim like left. He's like, are they wearing the same shirt? And I'm like, no, they wouldn't do that to everyone. This was not planned. It was... It was I swear to God. No, free clothes from the same place. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh. Well, now that I have both of you here, I can ask this question that I've wanted to know for a while. How did you get into punk? Do you remember the first time you ever came across the genre? I mean, I remember... Well, I remember it before Mike Kosky, who's from Chicago. The first guy, actually, who turned us on to punk records, was from here. But I remember our mom was a big listener of all... I mean, I guess technically our mom, I felt by listening to the specials. She listened to a lot of reggae in the specials. But, um, and Steel Pulse, I think, is really kind of a punk band. But um, I remember walking into the record store with her and hearing Sacred Love. And Bad Brains were playing. But, I mean, we were kids. And I remember really being like, this is the craziest thing I've ever heard. And then our friend was a skater. Our mom worked at a bar, and the bar back was a skater. And he was older than us, like, he's probably in his 20s, and we were 13. Were you guys skateboarding at this point? 
Yeah, we skated with him. So our mom's like, go skate with Mike Koski, who's from Chicago. The beginning, that's when we skated. And he gave us records. <clears throat> he gave me Naked Ray Gun, Throb Throb. He gave us Bad Brains, Eye Against Eye. So I listened to it, and I heard Sacred Love. I'm like, this is the same damn band I remember hearing in the record store. And he also gave me Ramones Alive. And he gave us a tape with Blasting Concepts, number one, and MDC. Yeah. yeah. Was MDC. It kind of changed. It, not kind of. It fully changed my life. That's like, that's like an amazing... Talk talk, We're going to have to... Okay. <laughs> it's, it's kind of like amazing. Like, what a starter pack to get given. Like, that's... Like, no, no duds in there, right? Yeah. Yeah. No airball. No airball at all. Because yeah. oh, you know we're recording this. Oh, okay. So just saying that. Uh, hi, guys. Hi, Mom. It's live, but it's going to be live in two weeks. So don't fuck it up, Akko. Can we cuss? Oh, you definitely can cuss. And also, there's 3,000 people watching us right now. <laughs> they can't see, so they have no idea. Cool. Uh, so what else are we talking about? So where did it kind of go from there? So you get this, like, incredible starter pack. But, but like, where do you take it? Like, like that's... Well, that's when we started, like, getting our own jobs so we could get money to buy records. Like, that, I was thinking about it the other day where it's, like, kids these days... No offense, I sound old, but it's, like, okay, 10 bucks a month, you get everything that you want. Like, where we had to work. Yeah, we have, like, I have, like, okay. SST tattoo and Discord. So you bought everything off the label. Yeah, every paycheck was going to records. Yeah, I like that flipper shirt, by the way. That's a great shirt. And the thing was, you also, like, bought these records, and you didn't like them at first, but we worked, we'd get paid once a week. So you'd buy, like, you would think you were buying a punk record, and you'd buy, like, I don't know, Meat Puppets, and you'd be like, what the fuck is yeah. this easy listening? And then... By the end of the week, you loved it. And that's, that's what was really rad, I think, about Discord and SST specifically, because they opened my ears to so much different music instead of just being like a punk label that was just strictly punk rock. And, and to me, that's like totally changed the way I listen to music. And luckily, we had a good mom who listened to a lot of reggae and metal and you know hippie music and jazz and funk. So I like everything. I mean, I literally love it all. So where did you guys, you, then you're buying records, but what's the point where you kind of make the jump to actually going to a show? Were you aware of local bands or anything like that? Yeah, it was like the local bands, but we grew up in such a small town. There wasn't much Yeah, we grew up in Colorado on. Springs. Well, we grew up in Manitou Springs, but Colorado Springs is like, there's a. I forgot about yeah. them, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's right. a little after us, yeah. but... Um, uh, there was nothing. You'd have to yeah. drive to Denver or yeah, Boulder, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we didn't really have the ability to get up there. So it was like, you know, there'd be a few all would play, like all played. Yeah. And I mean, we tried to see the Bad Brains, but we weren't old enough. And the first punk rock show I saw that I felt like was a legit one was the band Fuel from the Bay Area. Fuck yeah. And I was like, this band, ro-. and it sucks. I had a Fuel shirt, and I wish I had it now. I think Fuel's like such an underrated band. But, you know, we would make the trek. Just So you brought up Fuel, and I have to steal the mic back. That yeah. Fuel's like one of those bands that, like, that's the band that I think invented the gruff vocal, kind of like, you know, like, like, all, like Hot Water Music, Against yeah. Me. Like, all <laughs> totally. these bands do that thing, but they were, like, the first band kind of I know, doing and they that. got a lot of shit because everyone's like, they just want to be Fugazi, yeah. you know? But, like, to me, they were, they, they were such a great, great band. amazing band. Yeah. 
But you know, locally there was there was really we good had bands. The skate park too, Drive. for a second. Yeah, there was a skate park in our town for an, a year that I looked back at, and it was the they had shows. So we saw a lot of gnarly shows. We Green saw Day. Green Day, yeah. Offspring. I mean, this is playing to maybe forty people. Uh, Green Day, Offspring. We saw Neurosis, Lungfish. Yeah, Lungfish was amazing. Those were like the bigger, like the bands that you know people. We, I mean, they really had it booked out for like yeah. for only being open a year. Homegirl, what was it. her name? I can't remember her name. Vanessa. Vanessa. Yeah, she they really it. did a good job of booking. I think it was just like another stop people could go to, to go to Denver. But you know, we we were lucky enough that all of our friends who were older, because we were like started skating, so we were like 13, but our friends were like 16 to 18. So they would drive to Denver, which was an hour away, which was a big deal. But I mean, I look back at it, I was able to see like 108 and Shelter. Fugazi. You know, Fugazi a couple times. Rollins Band was Rollins sick. Band. Uh, I mean, we saw Diggable Planets. We, we played here when Diggable Planets played with Future Islands, but we saw Diggable Planets back then. I mean, Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Toasters. I mean, we. Look, I look back. It sucks. We I didn't lucky. shoot photos. That's the biggest. But I saw Nirvana open for Dinosaur Junior. Yeah, and no, I was just a little skater. Yeah, I blew it. But I do have photos <laughs> of seaweed and Jawbox, <laughs> which is great. That's yeah. great. But no, I. I might. There's a a friend of mine, I forgot Josh about Wildman. That who has the most insane collection from, like, Nirvana, Rollins Band, all that stuff. Jesus Lizard. Tool, Tool was opening up for Rollins Band back then. Hey, I think that talks to how amazing that period was for, like, rock, post-rock music or, like, yeah. alternative rock music, whatever. Like, the fact that you have, like, Neurosis, Green Day, Offspring, Lungfish, yeah. Toasters, all kind of existing in the same underground community. Yeah, everyone. And, and there was a lot of hip-hop, too, you know. I mean, not a lot, but, um, you know, we saw Daylaw, we saw Tribe, Beastie Boys. I mean, there was a festival that I have photos. So th this is where I have photos, but it was one of my favorite Chicago bands, Peg Boy. How many Peg Boy fans are in the house? Not enough. Okay, that's okay. Uh, that's enough. That's Peg enough. Boy All. It was Peg Boy All, Common, Far Side. Common, yes. Also Beat Chicago. Beat Nuts. PH, not, yeah, not, not yeah, the, not the, 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 the or, I mean, they were kind of metal-y. Right? They were rev, yeah. 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 Um, and uh, the kicker, Fluff, if anyone knows who Fluff yeah. is. Yeah, I love a still to this day. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, we were lucky that that stuff came through. I mean, I saw Built to Spill on their first tour because I didn't get to yeah, see we, Tree People. Yeah, we missed Tree People. We missed Tree People. Took a lot of L's. He saw The Grateful Dead, though. I, I did I, see I'm the Dead. Very jealous. It was amazing. With, with Jerry, obviously. But I saw Nirvana, so that's our competition. <laughs> Why did you not? Were you not into The Dead at all? It, no, we just had we had two tickets. It was just like my boy was like, "Hey, I got an extra ticket. Let's go!" Wow. Oh yeah, I don't want to say that on the mic, but yeah, <laughs> it was it was an interesting one. I know. Shh. It works for Vans. Let's delete yeah. that. Shh. Oh, we're live. Beep uh, it. Beep it for me. No, I'm, I'm, I edit. So okay. We're and I'm good. a fan of the show too. By the way, it's great. It's great. So where did that kind of go? Like. When did you guys get involved in... Because you're such, you know, creative forces. Like, when did that 
come about? Like, you're skating, you're not taking photos yet, right? Like, but where does the... Well, he started taking photos. I, I started and, um, taking photos. I got in a fight with him and broke my hand, is the mm-hmm. story. Right. And I had to take an art elective, so I was always into Spider-Man, and my friend was a photographer, Josh Wildman, the guy I, I was talking about who has all the great photos. So I just picked up a camera. That was... I was 16? Yeah, junior right year. Around then. And... Um, I was kind of into it, and then my senior year, I got really into it. And I was sending photos to Transworld, and uh, Slap printed my first photo. And then I visited California a year after we graduated, and I was like, I love it. Like, we didn't, none of this was supposed to happen. We didn't mean to. I was just supposed to drive you out. Yeah, we were just going there because it was California. And like he I was ended just up dropping you off and then got a dro- job he at He got a job at Transworld and we just stayed. Yeah, like, stuck. I thought I was going to work at 7 Eleven and I was so yeah. happy with just being a skater, working at 7 Eleven. And then photography happened and then, yeah, here we are. <laughs> and I've shot Derek Rose in this room before, five years ago, for any basketball fans out here. Like, it feels like that moment is also like, you know, we're talking about a transitional moment for, for alternative music, whatever, but it's also like, seems like a transitional moment for skateboarding too. Like, it yeah. seems like there's like a shift that kind of happened in the early 90s in skateboarding. Yeah, I mean, in early to mid 90s. When we were, fall, when we were skaters, we still are, but when we were into that scene, skating was dead. Skating, magazines were under 100 pages. Uber, he's cut off. Uh, you know, it was, um, you know, one of those things where we saw skating grow into magazines that were 300 pages. So it was really like, it really took off. And we were, I would say, very lucky to be at the right place at the right time. Yeah. Because we were able to build careers off of it. And, you know, that career took me into shooting sports, shooting music. You know, m- my thing about shooting music is I'm very passionate about that photography I mean I love sports I love skateboarding so much but music's the one thing that you know doesn't really pay on the sliding scale of the other stuff but I just love doing it and I only really like shooting things that I'm into and that's why I like skating and sports and music because it gives me a chance to like talk to these people I'm fans of and it's like I mean Captain Jazz like I we learned about it from a friend of ours I still have the burnt CD where he Xeroxed the CD cover. And, you know, always loved their music, always loved Joan of Arc, but didn't know about all their side projects. And honestly, I learned about American football six months ago. Yeah, true story. Six months ago, I was talking to a friend, and Bobby, who's a really good friend, who's in Joan of Arc, my friend's like, oh, Bobby's in town, Joan of Arc's playing, they're opening up for some band American football. I was like, fuck... Joan of Arc should never open. They're fucking Joan of Arc. Who the fuck is this band? They must suck. And I put it on, and I did not stop listening to it. And like, came to, I'm like scarily stalking Mike Kinsella by being here. But yeah, I mean, for us, it's... I mean, and us to DJ the show, and have DJ shows here at House of Vans, and House of Vans Brooklyn. I mean, you know, we figured out DJing is just an excuse to get drunk and play our favorite songs loud. I mean, it's the biggest swindle ever. <laughs> I kind of want to 
want to talk to you about like the photography side of things. So I think like that's something that kind of gets un. You talked about the the lack of uh, remuneration that happens to photographers in music, and I think that's something that's that's a horrible thing that kind of has gone on. But if you look at how important photography has been to underground music, it's like that's the only documentation you have a lot of times. Well, yeah, I mean, you look at um, this mic's louder. Oh, yeah. Hi guys, hot mic. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like Glennie Friedman was a huge influence on my career. And the fact that it's crazy, photographers can be at the right place at the right time, and he's probably one of the most, I'll even say it, luckiest by being at that place at the right time. I mean, to shoot Misfits and Minor Threat and all these bands. But, you know, that's, that's what breaks my heart a little bit about online music is because as a kid, we would just sit and study album art the cover, the photos, the thank yous. There are so many less photos, too, because the, now the internet, you can yeah. just click the hashtag and see the band. Yeah. And know, that's what's actually... Before it was a mystery. It was like, yeah. you'd see a zine or something like, oh, that's what those guys look like. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I didn't realize what a lot of people... We're really good friends with John Stanier from Battles and Helmet. I was a friend with him for probably... Whoops, sorry. Oh, I thought my phone was dropping. I was a fan of his getting, uh, now you can tell us apart. Um, <laughs> I was a fan of his music and we were hanging out at this bar, Max Fish in New York for six months. I didn't know what he looked like. I saw him as a kid. I saw a quicksand open for a helmet, but I didn't, you know, that was 15 years later. 15, for sure. And I didn't know what he looked like. And he's like one of my dearest friends now. And someone's like, you know, he's in, and I loved battles. So, and they didn't have any photos. Battles, no, didn't battles have any didn't photos have photos on their album artwork. So, you know, but I think that's what's amazing about, you know, people talk about social media and specifically Instagram, but, you know, I think that is what's rad with photography is it's given all photographers a platform to showcase stuff at any second. And to tag a band is an amazing thing because all of a sudden, you know, you might. You might be playing a show and you don't realize probably some amazing photographer shot some amazing photo until they tag you. And that didn't happen back then. Maybe a zine yeah, was the zines. only way. But you're right. No. <laughs> but, but you're right. Like There was a lack of documentation. So you would study those photographs. So there's almost like a deeper appreciation of the art of uh, photography back then. Right. Like How many times have you looked at that photo of the guy at the Wasted Youth doing yeah. the flip into the crowd and 100%. just like seen the faces and 100%. stuff? 100%. Um, yeah, I mean, there's that Rev cover, too, with some dude chat, yeah. you know, all that stuff. Backflips at HR. For yeah. The, you know, it's like, yeah. I mean, any Bad Brains photo was like, oh, my God, that's what they Fugazi look like. Too. It's like. Yeah, Fugazi. I mean, the first it. Fugazi record, you know, and it's really cool because if you look, I mean, this is how much I studied it because there's the cover and then on the back is another photographer shooting, Glenn Friedman shooting them. If you remember, it's like, it's cool because it's a loose photo. But yeah, I mean, photography and everything, it's just capturing a moment and it's so amazing to see that and be able to appreciate that. And, it, you know, Instagram has allowed that to have a little bit more life. I wish print was more, you know. Um, and that's the thing. Even back then, Uber, I mean Lyft, um, it was Thrasher. You know, Thrasher Magazine, Notes from the Underground was how I learned because Spin Magazine, Rolling Stone was not, no one was covering underground music unless you were able to find Maximum Rock and Roll or Flipside, 
So really, Thrasher, I mean, that was my gateway to so much music. It was crazy. It's funny, too, because, like, there was a big thing made, or at least I perceived a big thing made about skateboarding artists, like, maybe 10 years ago, and the idea of, like, these guys are skaters, but they're also artists, and it's like, that's been that way the whole time. Like, skaters had to be artists from the from the get-go. Neil Blender, gone. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, Puss had... Yeah, Pusshead was a skater. I mean, he's one of the most famous artists in music and stuff there is. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy how that just goes hand in hand, you know? I mean, skating and punk rock. I mean, let alone skate videos. I mean, how many bands did we learn from a skate so video? So much, all skate videos. Especially before the internet. It was like, okay, all of a sudden, Alien Workshop had all Dinosaur Jr., like okay, cool, you know what I mean? It was like, all the Ohio skate out had, you know, Minute Minute. It was like, that's how you learned about it, you know? It's, it's just crazy. absorb it, just take it all in. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny you say Dinosaur Jr., because I don't think that's a band that, you know, in 2017, people associate with skateboarding. But how many people heard that band for the first time in skateboard videos? Like, they are a skateboarding band. Yeah. I would say they're like, I mean, next to like suicidal tendencies and stuff like that. They are the skate rock band, you know, but obviously how saturated things are. But I was actually very lucky, ironically, because we're at House of Vans a year ago to direct. I got the opportunity to direct a Dinosaur Junior video, House of Vans, Brooklyn. Uh, Yeah. And well, I'm like a very big fan. You know, I, I have a band and we actually opened up for them in Paris at a Thrasher party years ago. And that was... On our birthday, actually, but we were hammered. A <laughs> it's a whole nother a story. Um, Lost a T4. Uh, Who I have a, a band with um, a bunch of pro skaters, Andrew Reynolds, Spanky, and Shane Heil, and Beagle. But we're, we're like, I, I was describing hiatus? it earlier. We're on a two-year hiatus, but we're all best friends. I mean, we've been playing the same set for nine years. We've done a tour opening for Cat Power. A we did a time. tour opening for the, her crowd did not like us um it's a whole nother story but no age and we opened up for bad brains we've opened up for panda bear we've had like really awesome opportunity but we're we're, i I love it it's you know for me always listening to music and to be able to experience that side of music but not i have a lot of respect for musicians because of how much work it is and i don't think people realize it we went on a tour with no age but it was a skate trip and we were opening up for them. So we would do shows every two or three days. And they were like, what? No, show every day, maybe two a day. Like, this is a waste of time. Because we were skating during the day, you know, and at night. And then, like, I realized how much... It, it, one of the Cat Power shows, we played in Portland. And we were traveling separate from, from Sean. And we, were, we went skating, Burnside. We're skating all day, like, dude, this is so fun. Like, it's weird they left last night to drive to Oakland. Like, I wonder how far it is. <laughs> we drove all night straight to Soundcheck. Like, I, I mean, it must have been, I don't, what is that drive? 12, it was, it was so long. Yeah, it, we were roasted by the time we, we were such idiots. And that's when I was like, oh, my God. You know, because you read the Rollins books, get in a van and all this stuff, and you're like, oh, man, yeah. Like, no wonder why this guy's such a weirdo. He's just cooped up, get out, play, cooped up, get out, play. I mean, it's really an intense schedule. 
Some would say it pickles the mind, but I want to have both of you on the podcast for a full episode. Can we do that sometime in the future? Yeah, this has been love to. This has been awesome. Awesome. Well, come to Toronto, we can do it in person, and I can take you to the dab bars that we have in Toronto, and I'm not talking about that. Down. Down. I'm talking about that. Trust me, you need one after doing one of these. Anyway, thank you both. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Vance. How's the Vance, Chicago? Thank you, Echo. Thank you, Atiba. And thank you, Tim, for coming on the show. And once again, thank you so much to Chuck Radu for recording this thing and, and doing such a great job with it. Um, and, and, and thank you to Brooke and thank you to everyone at House of Vans for having me down there and treating me so well. Oh, and shout out to Stu. My buddy Stu was doing the front of the house there. Um, so shout out to Stu, too. It was a, a blast. I had an amazing time. Um, and I, I think you got to hear that I was really enjoying myself down there. Uh, I have had nothing but uh, fun times also over here in Japan so far. I got to run now because I got to go make this wrestling show. But before I do, I'm not going to leave you without a podcast next week. No, no, no. Next week, I will be back. And I will be back with a legend. I will be back with John Doe of the band X. That's right. John Doe's on the show next week. It's it's awesome. We talk about like mainly Danger House. <laughs> we talk about the early early years of X, but you know the drill when you're talking about this podcast. That is next week on the show. Everyone, as I sit here in a hotel room in Tokyo, making a TV show about wrestling, talk to you, talking to you on a podcast about punk. Go out there and make your own culture. Follow your dreams. Make it all real. Because trust me. I never thought this would be happening, and it's happening. So it can happen for anyone. Go out there and do it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I love you, and I will see you next week.